Hey everybody, we are here tonight with um, the writer of a study in ugly neon blue. We're super excited to welcome back Jared Mendenhall. Woo! I'm back. Jared's back. Yes. Yes. So Jared, so good to have you back. Um, as I told you before the interview, you're our second returning writer to We Liked You First. And we're super honored that you came back again. We appreciate you guys having me i know it's just been i mean like you were deaf I, I feel like i speak on behalf of a lot of the writers a lot of the, the cast and the people we work with i think we really just i think you might be one of our favorites <laughs> we just oh, love having thanks. you around so um you know we we were super honored that you that you came back and were featured again on on we liked you first and um last time we got to work on uh, like a more of a theatrical you know production with you when we did Holmes and Watts um the you know the very twisted story of two individuals um who find who discover that they're terrible terrible detectives and just decide to dive into a world of crime um and that was so much fun um but this time we kind of got to explore another side of your writing um that we were i mean like that was super fun to do we got to actually explore some of your your short stories yeah and i i, I seem to have a problem um i've noticed that both stories have something to do with sherlock holmes and i i think i need <laughs> help <laughs> i'm, I'm a, <laughs> a healthy uh <laughs> healthy addiction to sherlock holmes <laughs> healthy i don't know health, about that, health. Yeah, i said healthy addiction, addiction. <laughs> <laughs> sherlock holmes is just so much fun to emulate though isn't he there's so much you can do with him yeah it's i mean I, you're probably going to get into it and hopefully the, your listeners will actually listen to it but it, this one's a little bit more fun less uh, i wouldn't even say the last one was serious i guess that's probably the wrong word for it but this one's about a kid in elementary school who wants to be Sherlock Holmes. And I had a lot more fun with that childlike, you know, viewpoint instead of, instead of two just bumbling idiots, you know, running around <laughs> trying to be the same guy. I mean, I think I'm a combination of both, to be honest with you. I'm a childlike bumbling idiot sometimes. <laughs> so I think that's where I draw my inspiration. Oh my goodness, that's funny. And, and you're right, there is like a there is a total difference. There is a little bit of a difference between Holmes and Watts and, and our our lovable, very lovable main character, Jimmy, um, in the two different stories. Because like they, they all kind of do draw inspiration from this character from you know Sherlock Holmes. And Sherlock Holmes, like I from what I understood, like I'm reading Arthur Conan Doyle's writing, it's Sherlock Holmes wasn't like a perfect individual but he did have a lot of really desirable qualities. Like he was very intelligent. Um, he was very observant. Um, he had a sense of nobility about him, even though, you know, again, like saying before, he wasn't perfect, but there was like a nobility about him where he, he wanted to, you know, stop, you know, you know, ne'er duels and evildoers from, you know, committing crimes. And he did that through his mind. Um, and both both sets of characters kind of follow that, um, you know, they, they kind of follow that, you know, that mindset. Um, and, you know, one of them goes off in a very different direction. But Jimmy, um, which I love so much about Jimmy and how you wrote him was he kind of stuck more to the, no, the, the very noble 
side of, I guess, the Sherlock Holmes, you know, character, um, which I really loved about Jimmy. Um, yeah, I, wonder, it's, I think yeah. you, I think you nodded on the head when you said that Sherlock Holmes wasn't a perfect character or like perfect person, which I think that's the draw is most people find that they can relate because I mean, how many of us are actually perfect, you know? Oh, for sure. So I like the idea of someone trying to emulate those nobler qualities while still being, you know, themselves. And that's kind of where Jimmy, Jimmy came into it. I mean, he was a kid who, he is a kid. I mean, he's not like he's, <laughs> you've turned the last page and he's done forever, but he's, yeah. he's a good kid who wants to do right, but he also just wants to solve crime. You know, he wants to be, essentially he wants to be Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, exactly. He really wants just to be Sherlock Holmes. Um, something that I also noticed about Jimmy, and I just hope maybe you can maybe elaborate maybe on something that I was thinking, was that when Jimmy gets to the end of his story, like the whole story, he's very enthusiastically pursuing a case of who is, you know, there's somebody there that are not, that's not supposed to be there. And he's enthusiastically performing this case and he's got a very funny principal who, <laughs> who's kind of humoring him and letting him pursue the case. But something that I noticed about Jimmy at the end is that he has a transformation of, of maturity that you don't, that maybe would make a couple of people forget that he's based on an elementary school child. He's probably between the ages of what, um, six and 10. And at the end of the story, instead of, you know, you know, putting a stamp solved on the case, he decides to side with Irene and, you know, and cease, you know, empathy and sympathy to her plight of finding her Oscar the Grouch doll um, instead of turning her in um, to Principal Murphy and getting that case solved uh, there, Jimmy, good job. Um, he goes for the, the very mature, I can't turn this kid in because she's, you know, just having a rough day kind of a thing. Um, what's your thought process on that, Jared? What, um, what kind of made you lean towards an ending, you know, maybe in more in that direction with a, with a character so enthusiastic about being, you know, the, the crime solver? I, and I'm probably going to not use the correct terminology, so oh, don't fine. tell my English professors, but <laughs> <You're good. laughs> in most, in most stories, you, you want to see some sort of transformation in your, in your main character, whether that's a you know, a resolution of a, of action, or if it's a resolution of, of character, you know, you want to see a realization at the climax of the story. And then your denouement is that moving forward with, with whatever part of that character has shifted. And with Jimmy, I wanted it to be some, a personal character trait, you know, he's been so focused on solving crimes and on being just like Sherlock Holmes and on getting all the clues just right and on winning that butterscotch pudding for a year because we all know school cafeteria lunches are crap oh yeah they are <laughs> but at the end whether it's a surprise or not to the readers it's it's a surprise to Jimmy in the fact that he he realizes that he doesn't need that and he he wants to do what's right and that's you know, it starts with wanting to 
catch evil by and that and in that sense he's doing what's right but at the very end it's you know there is no evil here i'm going to do what's right in another way does that make sense that does make sense and i actually find that in its own way very heartwarming um you know that he no matter what the outcome for him was i love the discovery of what is right based on the outcome and, and through the process which i think is is kind of is admirable to find in a in a character which i really love um that's really cool um i just had a curiosity <laughs> is there any like real life you know you know draw that you any real life experience that you drew on to create the characters of jimmy or irene or or principal murphy in and of himself that helped create this you know wonderful little you know visionette so oh, so many <laughs> um i mean i've been to the i mean and my mom can validate this but i've been to the principal's office a few times in my elementary school days for different <laughs> things never for getting stuck in a tree luckily but i always and i always just got kind of that somewhat like jovial yet sinister vibe from principals <laughs> even though like the principal of our school was like one of my mom's good friends is the funny thing but oh my at the same time funny. there was always that sense of i mean in most kids you talk to will be like we'll probably mention you know i'm i don't want to go to the principal because the principal is scary because it's the adult with the authority but i wanted to like make that push that to its extreme you know <laughs> like he is he is the villain you know once you see him inside the office with Jimmy, I mean, Jimmy's me. Like, I climbed trees as a kid. I There were times where I wanted to be a detective. There were times where I wanted to be a superhero, just like any other kid. There were times where I wanted to, you know, crawl in sewers and be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. So <laughs> I, I, I wanted to focus on that as well. And, I mean, I've gotten stuck in trees before. So I just kind of <laughs> combined it all. With Irene, it was just... I mean, really, that was just kind of a, I don't know, the crux of the change. Like, she's the one that drove the change because she was both the clue and the solution to Jimmy's detective work, his problem. So she just kind of was an added benefit. I mean, I didn't really draw from any specific character with her, although I have many a niece or nephew and many... <laughs> a friend who have kids who talk really fast and are hard to understand and so i kind of drew from that as well <laughs> that's fun <laughs> um being one of your one of your nephews i hope i'm not the the, uh, the, the difficult <laughs> to understand individual <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> once as a kid but you oh know, maybe as a you, kid you, you grew out of that so oh good <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness um Let's just go back and talk about Principal Murphy just for a minute. Um, okay. Principal Murphy was such a fun character, and he's not like a—he's not like this major character that's driven throughout the entire story, but he is this very—he—he he does have a presence that can be felt throughout the whole thing, um, which which I really loved about him, and I loved how you kind of described this this jovial, sinister nature of Principal Murphy. How did um, creating, having a character like Principal Murphy help Jimmy, help you, 
you know, create Jimmy's characterization. Um, because it almost kind of seems like in a way, in, when you first hear him interact with Principal Murphy, he kind of almost seems like he's working for the bad guy just a little bit. Because Principal Murphy's like, James, go and find out who does this, but don't climb any more trees here. And and they have this they have this little bit of a, a of a working relationship. Um, even though the narrator helps us establish that Jimmy is 100% of the opinion Murphy is not a good guy. <laughs> um, how did you use Murphy to help develop Jimmy as a character? Well, it comes down to that, that change of character that I wanted to drive. Like, cause yes, Jimmy, Jimmy is working for principal Murphy, but as we discover with him talking to his, pesty pesky pesty pesky inner <laughs> monologue he he doesn't care much for the principal because of those evil tendencies but he's he's working for him in the pursuit of butterscotch so there's a there's a shallowness to be seen there but at the same time that ends up going away because he realizes no amount of butterscotch is gonna allow him to turn in a little kid who just wants their their dolly back to an evil principal who has every mark of a villain. And I just need to say that your, this is why I love your podcast, Patrick, <laughs> is because your actors and actresses that you use, they capture the nature and the, like the life behind these characters, especially, I mean, I've worked with some of the actors before, like you said, this is my second time, but with principal Murphy, you brought in and remind me of, his Kurt, name Curtis Curtis yes and he was amazing and he turned it into almost this bond like villain where I started out with hey maybe an inspector gadget Dr. Claw type villain and he actually transformed it into something that I didn't even realize was there and it was it was amazing like just listening to the voice be brought to life brought gave me chills even though it's a fun light-hearted story like i was like holy cow this like character sounds like somebody who's a villain slash principal and i think that's the beauty of what you do so thank oh. you for that and thank you make sure you thank your actors for me as well i will absolutely make sure that gets passed along um and thank you for the compliment of course um but again, this, the story was just so, in its way, it, not only did I find it just so heartwarming and adorable, you know, I just, I love, I love, I have such fond memories as myself as a kid acting just like Jimmy would. Um, yeah. And I just, that's something that I think is so wonderful about your story is that it's a playground for imagination and for actors who, I, for lack of a better words, and, and I guess, to, in a way it kind of undersells how much actors get to do is that they play in that in that reality of of where imagination is become becomes real and it becomes acceptable and so you know i i definitely the you know the playground that you made and then putting a bunch of imaginative creators in it you know it really allowed them to create such a a wonderful principal murphy and a wonderful jimmy and a wonderful irene so you know hats off to you again for that um thank you for such writing such a fun character um i i'm just curious and and if there's if there isn't anything deeper to dig into it um that's okay but i'm just wondering when you wrote the story did you have any 
message or um, something that you wanted to share with with readers? Was there something that stood out to you that you hoped that at the end of it they would take from it? Um, like oh a yeah, little, uh, a little morality or anything. What what would you say was something that you really wanted readers to take from it? Butterscotch pudding is delicious. Dang straight. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I don't know. Like I, I don't normally write from a morality standpoint. I'm not. It's not really where I draw my inspiration, but it it always comes back to that doesn't it like there's always seems to be a message that anybody can take from it. but that's the beautiful thing is we can all read this story and take a different message from it but oh, sure. for the most part it's you know the simple message of we always hope that good triumphs over evil or people shouldn't bully little girls you know i mean or just generally like do you try to do what's right and that's kind of what came from this one but i didn't necessarily start with that that's fair no but i i love that you know it, it's simple and i think you're right i think there is a lot of i think there's definitely a lot of themes people can take from it and and i think it, it definitely in this case um i don't you know we I, and I think you've talked about this as it's like best overcoming better yeah um, that's a good way to look at it young elementary school aged mind Principal Murphy represents all that is evil in the world and butterscotch pudding is all that represents good <laughs> in the world. Um, and we, I think we know that Principal Murphy in real life probably wasn't a bad guy. He just, you know, that's what Jimmy perceived him as, but yeah. it was kind of like nice to see good triumph over something maybe that was a little more, it, maybe it was, a, it was more, I'm trying to put this in the, uh, into a different term. It's like, it's like chaotic good triumphing over lawful good. <laughs> um, <laughs> all of it is good. It's like best overcoming better. Yeah, um, that's a good way to look at it. Um, and that's, well, at least that's what I took from it, you know, after looking at it at the end of being, hey, there we go. The best outcome happened, um, which is awesome. Um, and I also love the idea of looking at the story a little bit from Irene Adler's point of view was Irene was, you know, kind of, I guess, bullied because that's why her toy ended up in the, you know, ended up in that room anyways. And at the end of the story, instead of bullying her or putting her down, you know, he offers her friendship by, you know, in ways, <laughs> by means of pudding. <laughs> but um, well, yeah, there's I, no better way to become friends. Come on. Than sharing your pudding cups, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't look anything like dirt. <laughs> exactly. Stay away from chocolate. I was just going to ask you, Jared, like, I just, I love the story. Um, is there any other projects you're working on right now? I know you're still at UVU and yes. you're working on your degree. How much longer do you have on your degree before you're finished? Uh, I'm hoping cut two more semesters, I'm thinking. Okay. And I should be done. All right, so you're kind of um, getting to the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, yeah. That's way cool. It's, it's approaching fast. I think it's the high-speed train. <laughs> Do you have any plans of pursuing further education, like at a master's degree when you're done? Or do you think you're going to, you know, move off in a little bit more into the professional field um, after, you get your, after you get your degree? That is a tough question. I don't know. I'm kind okay. of banding about both 
paths and just want to see kind of where the next like semester brings me and I should hopefully make a decision by then. But Okay. No problem. No but I don't, don't have an answer for you yet. <laughs> that's totally fair. I totally understand. Um, that's cool though. Congratulations on almost completing your degree. You're getting there to the end. Thank you. Which is exciting because, you know, we all, I don't think anybody plans on starting school and never finishing. So, <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> you know, we're, we're glad that you're, you're getting, you know, you're, you're getting that degree, getting a degree in, in your field is a big deal. So, yeah. And I, and as far as future projects, I, I've been working on a few. And I think last time I mentioned several that I've been working on and those That's are right. still works in progress i've started a few other ones and i seem to bounce back and forth between them depending on on inspiration i mean as far as now that your podcast is in its second season and pushing towards the third i'm going to strongly hint at a possible return of our bumbling idiots holmes and watts um, I love possibly those for guys. season three so <laughs> yeah that i'm excited about i'm actually like I'm excited about writing in general. Excited. Did I say, what did I say? I got slurry there for a minute, but I'm excited about all my projects that, cause I just, I mean, I like writing, but this, this one I'm actually super excited about. So stay oh my tuned. Goodness. Um, our, I hope I really, man, I just saying that <laughs> I, you know, our listeners, if you haven't, you need to go back and listen to the original Holmes and Watts and, and I'll, I'll say from my standpoint, having got a chance to work on it, the, the actors in that were phenomenal. They were Tanner Roth really were. and Austin Jordan and Logan Lindholm did such a wonderful job performing it. But the piece itself is just so funny. Even if you just read it, um, it is just a, it just tickles your funny bone. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of leaves you at the very end doing a little bit of a face palm for these characters. You're like, <laughs> you do it, but you do it with a smile because you're like, oh, this is just... <laughs> <laughs> it's well, so funny stay so, tuned for more face palming so i'm so excited to know that there's a there's a high possibility of these wonderful characters coming back for more <laughs> so, and Jared, honestly i don't i don't think i would have revisited it if it wasn't for your podcast so i want to oh, thank you as well because the characters oh. being brought to life by your actors have is kind of what wanted made me want to write more about them Oh, well, we're, I'm honored, you know, I, I really hope all of the listeners out there who, who be, maybe who haven't participated in the podcast, but maybe listen and they're interested in writing or they're interested in performing. We really hope that they, that we keep that, that desire alive because we need people to, to do those things. And I was actually reading a quote by Peter Dinklage and Peter Dinklage is such a wonderful actor um he somebody brought up a just a really they just someone brought up to him what do they feel like feel like about legislation that would you know take away funding from the arts and from education and his response simply was he goes it always seems to be those are the things that go first aren't they and he said he goes and they seem to be the most important um and absolutely and I, I 100% agree with that. And I don't, and I know some of us have to have day jobs to, you know, to get by, but if we have a passion to, to do those things like write and to perform or to, or I don't know, just to consume art, if you have a passion for any of it, don't stop, you know, keep doing it. So I'm glad Jared that, you know, 
we got to play a small part in in bringing these characters back again. So, um, you know, thank you for for sharing those that, those things with us. Which absolutely, lot, thank you. Means a lot to me personally. So, um, and thank you for your continual contribution to creativity. Um, but I, you know, I just I appreciate it. So thank you. No, thank you. Um, but yeah, we're excited to know that you're still working on your novels. We're excited to know that you're still working on um, your education because we're excited. I'm I'm so excited to see what's gonna you know be in ten years. You know, I think you know I think you'll be a household name somewhere. <laughs> Maybe uh, in my household, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully at least one household you know yeah why not <laughs> you know i mean i, I, I half, have, a <laughs> half a household half a household a neighborhood name um a city name <laughs> i don't i don't know i i i just i just know that you're gonna do some awesome things jared like your writing it definitely reaches a lot of people and i know people really appreciate your writing so um thank I mean, you like, at least at the very minimum it reaches me <laughs> uh, I don't, and I want to make sure that I say that very, I say very clearly that, you know, I think our, our, our readers, our listeners might know we're related, but I don't say that out of bias. I definitely, I definitely say it genuinely. Like I definitely feel connected to your writing. So at least, and it reaches me and it, you know, gives me good feelings and makes me happy. So, you know, at least one, you know, just know that at least one person out there definitely appreciates it. And, and even if it's He's just, a little bit biased. So. <laughs> So thank you so much, Jared, for, for sharing, sharing your work with us again. Um, and we eagerly await the return of Holmes and Watts. Um, and we also eagerly await any other future performance and any other writing that you will produce you know, in the future. So thank you so much, Jared. Thanks again for having me. This has been an interview with Jared Mendenhall, the writer of A Study in Ugly Neon Blue and Homes and Lots. If you haven't had a chance to listen, go back and check them out. Thanks again, Jared, and we hope you have a great rest of your evening. You too.